Non-stop talk radio, streaming 24 hours a day. TalkZone.com TalkZone.com You are entering an intriguing journey with spiritual lifestyle experts Keith and Charmé Amber, where you'll end up more at home with yourself, your behavior, and your understanding of life. Mastering Ourselves offers sound answers to life's tough questions so that life can make more sense to you and healthy directions become clearer. Keith and Charmé bring you over 80 years of seasoned experience. They pursue truth and insights that are neither left nor right, but spiritually sound and centered and can be used as a spiritual compass to help you on your path. Welcome to Mastering Ourselves. Ever wonder if there are UFOs out there or not? Our guest today is Stanton Friedman. Thank you. Okay, technical difficulties over. Awful. All right. Have you ever wondered if there are UFOs out there? Some people do. Some people just think they pretty much have an idea that there are or there aren't. I would imagine most people that are talking to us, listening to us, probably have a pretty good idea that they do exist out there. I, for one, have thought, or actually both Keith and I have thought and had experiences with for a very long time, so there really isn't much question about it. However, it's sort of interesting when you bring somebody in who has studied it, gone to the locations, talked to the people who've seen the crashes, had the experiences for a long time, like since 1967. That adds a whole nother level of um, confirmation and assuredness that this is really what's going on. This is a scientific person uh, who his major focus is nuclear, or at least it has been nuclear physics. physics. He's BS and MS degrees in physics from University of Chicago. In addition to that, Stanton Friedman, since 1967, has lectured on the subject flying saucers are real at more than 600 colleges, over 100 professional groups in all 50 U.S. states, 9 Canadian provinces, 12 cities in England, and 9 in other countries with only 11 hecklers. I have, he has also appeared on hundreds of radio and TV shows all over. I, he has probably answered about 45,000 questions about UFOs and secrecy. So we're going to hear more about this and his upcoming book, Flying Saucers and Science. Would you welcome to the show, please, Stanton S. Friedman. How you doing? Stanton T. Friedman, please. <laughs> <laughs> she messes with middle names all the time. <laughs> well, you know, the, the T, uh, it, it's kind of funny. When I was in England in one tour, uh, I did 40-some interviews with these guys with the great BBC voices, you know. Mm-hmm. And none of them knew anything about flying saucers. And the first question from two of them was, what does the T stand for? <laughs> like, that's important. Right, I hear you. Like, that's why I didn't include it or did it well, wrong. The one importance it has is that when I was growing up, my middle name is Terry. My brother's name was Barry. That was Barry and Terry, and all the kids in school knew me as Terry, not Stanton. Stanton was much too formal a name mm-hmm. for yeah. a kid, you know. So I kept the T in there just so that the people who remembered me back then would realize it was the same person. They see me on television, you know, hear me on the radio yeah. and whatever. And so 
there was a reason for it. And in England, they don't, they're not big on middle names, but they don't have so many people as the United States does, you know. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, I've been at this for a long time, and unlike you guys, I've never had a personal experience. I've talked to plenty of people who have, of course. Sure. But, uh, uh, I've and I've written quite a bit. I do a monthly column for UFO magazine and for the MUFON Journal, Mutual UFO Network. Uh, and I've been doing this for several years anyway. And I, I give a hard time to the nasty, noisy negativist. That's that's one of the things I like to do. And mm-hmm. you see, unlike people who work at universities or in industry, I worked in industry for fourteen years, but. I don't need to worry about my boss. I'm my own boss. Nice. So I can call it as I see it, so yep. to speak. Yeah. And uh, I don't need to hold back and say, "Well, you can't use my name," but you know, I'll have one of my graduate students look at it. This is, I've had professors act like that, and I say, you know, what's to be afraid of? Uh, if I can't stand the heat, I don't belong in the kitchen, as Harry Truman said, or words to that effect. Mm-hmm. And you know. Uh, I bring four things to this topic that are a little off, a little different, you could say. (laughs) One of them is I spent 14 years working on advanced propulsion systems, so I can deal with the argument that you can't get here from there. Yes. Because it's almost invariably made by people who don't know about advanced propulsion systems. Not only that, but I just really don't understand why people fail to realize that the technology on many places beyond Earth is so far beyond Earth, it's like they're trying to take what we do and apply it to space travel. And, you know, you've got an example in here, like we're sort of like gorillas in a nature preserve in Africa who know nothing about what's going on on outside the preserve. And it's so true. We're kids. Like, I think you um, say somewhere else, we're like in kindergarten, and it's so true. So they want to make that be about what space travel is. You have to get out of that box. Well, that's right. And the thing is that, uh, if you look back a little bit in time, and I, I got rudely reminded of this kind of a, two years back, I was talking to two classes at the University of Detroit in Detroit, and I was going through how much technology has changed in the last 50 years or so, and I mentioned that, you know, when I started work in industry, I was using a slide rule, and I looked around the class, and I didn't seem to get any reaction I said, any of you know what a slide rule is? <laughs> <laughs> Not one. No, Not one. one student, that, as a, one of the professors did, but uh, none of the students none of the did. That's only 50 years. And so, you know, look back, 100 and the first plane flight was 1903. And there was a famous astronomer who just two months earlier had published, Simon Newcomb was his name, for those who think I don't know his name, uh, he published an article in which he showed that the only way man would ever fly would be with the help of a balloon. Now, when he was informed about the first flight, and it gives you a sense of perspective, the entire Wright Brothers' first plane and the flight would fit inside a 747. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he was a little bit off. Now, in 1941, another astronomer named uh, Campbell um did a study in which he showed that the initial required initial launch weight of a rocket able to get a man to the moon and back. 
the science fiction guys were talking about going to the moon in 1940, 41 there. And uh, he published a paper. He showed that the required initial launch weight would have to be a million, million yeah. tons. Tons. Right. And he was only off by a factor of 300 million 30 years right. later. He made all the wrong assumptions. Exactly. Single-stage rocket limited to 1G acceleration. Yeah, yes. Yeah. He, for, he didn't know anything about uh, cosmic freeloading, I call it. I'm, I like these cute little phrases. But by that, I mean using Mother Nature uh, to do some of the work for us. When we go to the moon, uh, we fire to the east from near the equator. That's a 3,000 miles an hour the planet is rotating. We fire at such a time that the moon will come along and pull us in. Why should we provide the energy when the moon can do it? Mm -hmm. When we come back, we don't have to fire a retro rocket, which he assumed you'd have to do. We use the Earth's atmosphere. We breathe it, but we use it to slow us down. Remember Apollo 13? you got to get the angle right. Right, Yes. It's more important to be smart than powerful. Right. And so we have a history of people being, who are bright people, who have their piled higher and deeper degree, a PhD for those who don't recognize that. Uh, so but say that again. Nothing at all about the field <laughs> which they're trying to intrude upon. What's a PhD now? Piled higher and deeper degrees. Oh, Hold on. <laughs> You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions. Don't forget to catch us Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Our guest today is Stanton T. T. Friedman, author of Flying Saucers and Science. So have you done any work on the variable specific impulse magnetoplasma rocket? Well, not the rocket. I did, in my congressional testimony back, oh golly, 1968, there were hearings in Congress, and there were 12 scientists who presented, six in person and six more of us in writing only. I was the only one of the 12 without a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. A FUD. We I'm call very, those FUDs. I'm, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, in my... A paper which is included in the proceedings. This is one of the five major scientific studies I talk about in all my lectures. Mm-hmm. I talked about two separate problems. How do you get near the Earth from another star away from the sun? And then once you're here, uh, how do you flit around in the atmosphere where you've got high gravity and you've got an atmosphere and you've got to worry about heating and you know all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, going the speed of light doesn't do you much good near the Earth. It takes a set seventh of a second to go around the whole planet. How do you meet somebody for lunch, you know? (laughs) So uh, I do talk in my congressional testimony and many papers since. These are listed at my website at www.stantonfriedman.com. That's Mm F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N.com. I talk about magneto aerodynamic propulsion systems similar to the electromagnetic submarine that was successfully tested in the mid-60s, where you take advantage of the fact that in seawater, which is an electrically conducting fluid, Mm -hmm. you can create forces when you have electric and magnetic fields at right angles to each other when there is an electrically conducting fluid there. 
and you push against the water, it pushes back by Newton's laws, and off you go, slipping silently through the seawater. Dr. Stuart Way of Westinghouse and half a dozen students at the University of California, Berkeley, uh, not Berkeley, I'm sorry, Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. uh, built one of these, the Japanese built one, and if you replace the seawater with ionized air, that's what you see when a meteor comes in. You know, you don't see the meteor. You see the air that is ionized, that's glowing around it. Right. And it turns out you can get around all the problems of high-speed flight. You can control lift, drag, heating, sonic boom production, radar profile, all that good stuff. Now, some people say, well, how come we're not building any of these things? Well, I'll tell you one thing. The government was certainly interested Back in 1970, when I worked briefly for McDonnell Douglas Corporation and looking to see how saucers might work, incidentally, mm-hmm. interesting job, but the program got canceled, darn it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> anyway, uh, I had a literature search done of the technical report literature. This is not the open scientific literature, but government-sponsored uh, studies. I, got, I used the keyword magnetoaerodynamics. I got 900 references. Hmm. 90% of those were classified. So there was a lot of money being spent, a lot of concern, partly because when an intercontinental ballistic missile nose cone comes into the atmosphere, it ionizes the air. Mm -hmm. And you better figure out the the interaction between the craft, the, the nose cone, and the air, and... How much does it affect the drag, which means how far off are you going to be and where it goes compared to where you want it to be, things like that. And so... Ten seconds till break. Okay. You can get here from there, and you can move around in the atmosphere with an entirely different propulsion system. Ah. Okay. We'll do more after break. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Thank you very much for joining us. We are your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up one show at a time. Don't forget to catch us Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Our guest today, Stanton T. Friedman, author of Flying Saucers and Science. Stay with us. We've got more. 